Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a leading edge insights podcast. I can't think of a better episode to kick off this year than to be talking about the 2023 Consumer Outlook. And today, to help us talk about this, we're joined with two GFK Consumer Life experts, Stacey Barrick and Eric Wagatha. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. So today, our goal is to truly understand and bring the 2023 consumer into focus and really understand what are they thinking about, what will they be wanting in the year ahead. So before we dive in, I think it's important to note that this session is especially popular at GFK year over year. So what are some of the key considerations and insights that went into designing the outlook and what can we expect to be the same in this year's outlook and what are some of the differences that we should be looking out for? Yeah, thanks, Anna. That really helps sort of frame, you know, what is the purpose of of, of doing an outlook? And, you know, this is something Stacy and I and the team do every year. And part of the role of the Outlook is a bit of looking back, you know, what were the key themes, uh, key experiences, key events that impacted consumers in a particular year, and how those can influence their attitudes, mindsets, or behavior in in the following year. And so generally speaking, uh, this is fairly easy to predict when when those external forces and events are are relatively stable but uh you know one of the themes we experienced in 2022 and um Stacy I'm sure we'll talk about is this idea of, of a perma crisis that we seem to be having one event after another whether it's an economic event or an ecological event or certainly you know issues of, of warfare in in Europe these uh, create a high level of uncertainty and unpredictability amongst consumers so coming back to the 2023 uh, perspective. Uh, we certainly have some s- strong points of view, but I suppose Stacey and I would say there's there's a bit of a caveat that we might want to come back in March or April or May and, and revisit some of these issues because we do think 2023 will be a, a year of volatility where brands particularly need to pay close and very close attention to their consumers and how some of their shifting uh, perceptions, mindsets will translate to new uh, and evolving needs. Love that. So now that we really understand what kind of data we can expect, who should be leveraging this data within an organization? You know, that's that's a great question, Anna. And and it's actually very interesting. When Eric and I were starting to put this together, typically our main audience for these types of presentations or podcasts tend to be marketing, the innovation teams in an organization, a lot of the people who are really responsible for producing the products and the services. But when we started to pull the themes together this year, we realized that there was another very important audience that should be listening and paying attention to what's going on in the consumer mindset, and that's really the employers. So the human resources people out there are really just about anyone who is a manager um, because, you know, consumers are people and they're in many cases employed people and the behaviors and the attitudes that they have going out in the marketplace are things that they're bringing into the workplace. And so the expectations that they have when they walk in the door and what they want from an employer 
um, are really influenced by a lot of the things we're seeing in the consumer mindset these days. That's great. And it, it really is important to understand exactly that, you know, 360 view of people that can actually tap into this data. So now that we understand exactly what we can expect and who should be leveraging it, I think we can really get into the outlook. So let's talk about it. What do you expect the consumer mood and mindset to be as we're going into this year? So, so Eric alluded to this right when we started. Um, this has been the last three years have really been a roller coaster ride for consumers, and and they don't really know, you know, when the roller coaster is going to end. Just when we get to where we think things are starting to stabilize and become the the old way of doing things, or maybe even what a new normal might look like, something else comes along. And so there really has been a time period where the number of things that people have been concerned about um, has been, you know, significant. And so whether it be pandemic or safety and, and, and things related to war, but what we've really seen in the last year is this real solidifying around financial concerns. So the inflationary pressures that we were really seeing in 2022 um, were really starting to be something that that came to top of mind for, for consumers in the U.S. and around the world. So things related to finances, whether it be the, the, the nation's economy or their personal ability to pay the bills, was really becoming paramount. And, and we saw a lot of different things that happened. So the savings that, that people were able to do when they were during lockdown, um, those started to go away and we started to see much more borrowing happening again. And, and really, we're now at the lowest level of savings um, since 2005. Um, on the flip side, sort of the highest level of borrowing and jumps in more than 20 years. And so household debt is really trickling up. And, you know, the cost of borrowing is is growing with interest rates and, and other pieces. So, you know, all of these things were, were coming together at the same time as we started to see at the end of the year, a lot of high profile job cuts. So a lot of people starting to feel nervous, a little bit of what you call career cushioning, where people are looking what else is out there. Is there an opportunity for me to, um, you know, lose my my current employment situation? Do I need to start thinking ahead? You know, what is the recession, you know, picture? We, we hear a lot about that. So a lot of financial concerns, a lot of concerns about employment. And those were things we started to see in our data. So looking at sort of the good time to buy and good time to wait is something we've been asking about for decades. And what we see is that really compared to the Great Recession, we're really at even a higher time now of people saying it's a good time to wait. So really some some concerns, particularly among the youngest generations. So we have all of that going on internally, but externally, people are still spending. So, you know, we looked at look back at our holiday season. We saw record numbers of people actually going out and spending money. We saw higher dollar figures, some of that inflationary driven, but some of that related to the number of people out there spending. So there's a little bit of a disconnect between how people feel and what they're actually doing. But when you dig a little deeper, you see that that people have actually gotten a little bit smarter about how they're purchasing things. So it's not that they are waiting completely, but they're waiting to pay full price. Nobody's paying full price on non-necessities. 
They're going out there and they're employing all sorts of strategies. And honestly, you know, businesses are making it really easy for them to find some of those strategies. You know, what's the best price on something? It's, it's a mouse, you know, click away to find the best price for the things you want and you need. So we see that people are employing all different strategies to make sure they can get those things they want. So, you know, interesting as we're entering the year, you know, that the, the concerns about the finances really solidifying some nerves about what's going to happen to my personal job, but still people going out there and buying the things, you know, to celebrate with their families and, and other things um, because they've gotten smart with their strategies. One thing to add to that, Stacey, um, you know, when we think about obviously inflation or, or you know, potential creeping unemployment, um, you know, we think of who that who that impacts. And, you know, generally in these situations, folks in the lower economic strata are, are usually the first to be impacted and, and we see those effects. But one thing we do want to be clear here, especially as Stacey mentioned, a lot of, you know, these sort of early signs of unemployment are actually coming from, you know, higher paying uh, positions that this this inflation, these economic effects are also a you know kind of a high end game as well. So we are even seeing you know, more affluent households taking a harder look at pricing, you know, at value strategies, clipping coupons, uh, huge focus on on loyalty programs, right? Uh, selecting brands where there's some again some additional value or, or discounting. So keep that in mind, and we we suggest that of our audience as well. Is this is something that we're seeing. Uh, fairly much across the board, uh, across all, all economic groups. Yeah, and I'll just add one last point. Um, wearing the employer's hat, you know, and something we're, we're, we're thinking about here, a lot of, of companies have been sort of skirting that line between the return to work. You know, where are we with return to work at the moment? Um, and, and some companies are starting to force the, the return. Um, certain companies are relaxing that. And there's been some great amount of employee pushback along the way. I think, you know, wearing the, the idea of financial insecurity and thinking a little bit about the cost of bringing people back, what that adds to their costs and to their lifestyles. So the transportation costs, additional childcare for, for certain people, even, you know, clothing. Many of us, you know, no longer have the wardrobes that we had um, prior to lockdown. So just, you know, something to really think about as you're, you're, you're looking at, at what your strategy is for bringing people back to work is that it really is in some cases also put an additional financial burden on those employees. Yeah, absolutely, Stacey. And I think that's actually playing into a, a broader narrative that we've been, you know, looking at is, is sort of the, the changing nature and culture around work that transcends generations, in fact. And we've had some recent client discussions about, you know, Gen Z and, and what's happening with them. They're a generation that sort of, you know, kind of are coming of age when things were more virtual. And that bodes really great for them in terms of, you know, opportunities that may be out of their geography or out of state. But now with employers sort of taking the reins back and wanting them, you know, to to come back to the offices, what does that mean? And, and this is certainly a narrative that's going to take some time to evolve. The clarity that we see at this point is, is Gen Z, from all intents and purposes, is a fairly mature generation for their age. For the most part, they are the the children of of Gen Xers. As the lost generation, Stacey and I remind ourselves sometimes, we ended up doing pretty good for themselves. Uh, and so, but you do see with Gen Z a level of pragmatism and realism in terms of their decisions making. But they're still young, right? So clearly, the importance of career and and employment areas that where they can have an impact is going to be meaningful to them. I think as the story pans out with Gen Z, it will be one more of trying to find a bit more of that balance 
between what their personal aspirations are as well as what they expect professionally from their employer. We don't expect this generation to be one to be, you know, burning the midnight oil at 60 hours a week, even though perhaps Elon Musk might want them to do that. However, we expect that, and in their own words, uh, we don't mind working hard. We just want to work smartly and, and find that balance. So again, a story to be developed over time, but expect a very large and meaningful generation to start entering their workforce in the next you know, months and years, and certainly will be part of the narrative going forward from 2023 onwards. Awesome. So Stacey, you mentioned a few seconds ago, actually, about keeping you know your employer hat on. So I'm going to ask you to keep it on for a few more seconds as we talk about what are some of the key areas that businesses should keep a pulse on as this year unfolds? Yeah, I mean, cer- certainly the younger generation, you know, as, as Eric was mentioning, another thing as it relates to, you know, some of the layoffs, particularly some of the technology layoffs, we have some some trickle down, you know, talent coming here. So a lot of the talent that may not have been accessible for the, the smaller companies in the tech world may now be available, uh, particularly with, with new graduates coming out and, and a lot of the large companies, you know, contracting and, and limiting their hiring. So, so certainly, you know, there will be some great opportunities for trickle-down talent, but there also has to be an understanding of the differences about this generation and what they care about. And so, you know, certain things related to, we already talked about, you know, the working smarter, not longer hours aspects of it. So they're, they're not a generation that wants to sacrifice personal time, but they're also, you know, career oriented, they want the money. So it's it's the idea of, of working smarter. But for them, in many cases, working smarter, it may, may be, you know, eliminating the commute. You know, why should I commute two hours each way? Um, that does impact my personal balance when I can be spending my time on your work and then have my time for my personal. So I think that's one thing. I think another thing is, is certainly this is a very socially, you know, interested group that has strong opinions about, you know, different issues, whether they be the environment, um, social causes, and they really expect employers to be picking up the mantle for that. You know, they don't really um, want their employers to stay neutral. Um, you know, even if we know and, and, you know, we're not naive, we know that it can be very difficult for, for companies to wade into um, some of the social issues out there. But when they're thinking about social issues, you know, they shouldn't just be thinking about their customers. They really have to think about the employees and what matters to them as well. Eric, I know you have some some thoughts about this as well. So, you know, absolutely. And I think you hit it right on, on the head that, um, you know, the idea of ESG and social responsibility is a growing theme and growing expectations from brands. But it is also something that a brand needs to look at in consideration of their internal audience, um, their staff, especially younger generations who will be looking at the sort of the processes and the perspective that employer has, not just in terms of being you know externally facing to consumers, but in sort of walking the talk uh, internally with their employees themselves. I, I do want to go back, Anna, to a point Stacy made earlier on around Gen Z and you know the kind of the consideration of virtual work. And you know, and I think part of the solution for Gen Z also may be somewhere in more of a hybrid world. So Clearly, there are some benefits uh, being at home, cost savings, uh, you know, commuting, save time for working remotely. On the flip side, one thing we do know about Gen Z is uh, kind of a, a 
desire, if you will, for reengaging in sort of relationships, you know, network and friendship building. Mental health is a topic that's high on their agenda, uh, something that can't simply be solved with virtual relationships. So, you know, think of if we want the, the analog side, if you will, of the work environment in terms of bringing young individuals together with leadership or, or with others of, of their own age as they start building their careers as really a actually a meaningful and desired aspects. So there is a bit of a juggling between the two for this generation, certainly, uh, but don't underestimate some of the positive impact of being you know, in a working environment with, with other colleagues. Both of you have been working obviously a lot with this data. I'm sure there's been some surprises or not so many surprises that have come out of it. So what's something that stood out to you? Well, I will say I'll start with the non-surprise and maybe it'll be a surprise to our audience. But I think for us, you know, who have been looking at this data for for a number of years, a little bit less of a surprise. And that's really related to, you know, even though we're talking about a lot of sobering things, you know, and certainly the last three years have had a lot of of, you know, sobering things going on. It is the resiliency of of the American consumer and sort of the the idea that, you know, having a good time and, and, and looking for especially personal experiences that will allow them to enjoy themselves is still really, really important. And so we see, you know, particularly among Americans in, in a global sort of backdrop, really experiential, really wanting to do things to focus on the experience over the possession, for instance. And, and, and getting out there and enjoying themselves and rewarding themselves for things and, and just making sure they have that balance because it is a, a difficult time in so many ways. So it doesn't have to be an expensive way to make you feel better. So whether it's it's going out um, you know, out in the outdoors with friends, whether it's it's taking advantage of, you know, restaurants and travel services, you know, being being available again. I think you see a lot of, of things happening on, on experience among the, the general population. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. And, you know, it's it's almost like looking at this way, the more we see these sort of events and we talked about kind of these, uh, you know, these traumas, these perma crises, these take away from consumers' actual ability to control their lives. So really, when those aspects are out of their control, they look at, well, what is it I control? I can't control. And, and a lot of that is around leisure, around experience, and around this idea of enjoying life that we see continues to rise in America. So they are not sort of, a, you know, opposites of each other. They certainly work in harmony and, and one reacts to the other. But we're certainly going through a phase where, enjoyment of life and looking for, you know, kind of cost-effective ways to indulge themselves are going to be the mode, especially going into 2023 and and probably beyond that. I think, you know, diving deeper into that, Stacey, the question we have is, does that reinvent, you know, some of the the, the marketing channels or approaches that we have? And, and I throw one out there as kind of needs to be reconsidered is, well, what does retail look like, particularly in-person retail, right? Uh, this has been uh, an, an evolution, obviously, with the rise of online shopping, the challenged, you know, real world in-person shopping. We've moved to models around more like omnichannel, right? A, a consumer sort of navigating between the two and le leveraging both. Um, now we're seeing in, in an age of, of enjoying life, 
and experiences that retail may be reinventing itself more around the experiential side. We actually have various measures on, you know, shopping as a leisure pursuit, not just necessarily for consumption. So I think the the takeaway for the audience when we talk about enjoying life and leisure and small indulgences is really to find how they can deliver that in the various points of contact that they have with their customers, in addition to obviously the products or services that they provide. So as we close out the episode, we'll want to think ahead and we'll also want to tap into some closing advice from the both of you. So thinking ahead, what are some of the key areas that GFK Consumer Life can help with in the upcoming year? Yeah, thanks, Anna. You know, one of the key reasons why our our clients work so closely with us is trying to adapt lessons from the past, learnings from today with projecting strategies and needs for tomorrow. Uh, and those timelines can be anywhere from the next six months, 12 months to, to certainly multiple years out. And I think that's what you heard today from Stacy and I, you know, lessons we've learned from past e- economic difficult times going back to the Great Recession, looking at generations and how they're adapting and shifting in the current, you know, sort of mindset and, and time space that we're in and translating that into insights, marketable insights our clients can use in the near and, and further term. And this is something we, we do on a regular basis with our clients. I think for us specifically, it's about keeping a close eye and a close pulse on the consumers. And as we said, and we when we opened up the podcast for today, that uh, we'll probably want to revisit some of this content by mid-year, take into consideration latest and freshest data that we have, as well as what we're seeing out there in society and culture, and, and make a reflection. And I close with saying our clients should do that themselves as well in all of their capacities, that this is going to be a year where research live, keeping a constant pulse on your consumers and how they're shifting on a weekly or monthly or quarterly basis. I think we're going to find some very interesting uh, findings that's going to let leading edge uh, brands out there really get uh, an advantageous step on their competition. Yeah, I mean, I, I would add the staying nimble piece, you know, that that, that Eric or, or echo that because um, that is something I think, you know, since 2020 in particular, our clients and, and ourselves, we have all learned you can't just develop your strategy for the year, you know, present it to everyone and then sit back and, and watch it you know, take place. There's so much going on constantly. Keep, you know, readdressing and and relooking at things. So I think, you know, staying very close to that strategy and being nimble as the year goes on is, is really important thinking through your strategies for the future. It's very important also for you not to look at things in a vacuum. I think a lot of times um, clients can get very focused on their own industry and their own consumers and forget the fact that their consumers are employees and and working through so many other sectors as well. And one of the things that we can bring to our clients and do bring to our clients is the ability to really look across sectors and to really understand people as people and not just as consumers of a specific product or service. So really having that broader perspective of all the aspects that are influencing people's lives. Well, I think that was, I mean, for a short amount of time, I think we really packed in a lot of great insights, a lot of key things that we'd want to look out to for 2023. And I think we definitely want to do a check-in mid-year to make sure that, you know, we have the most up-to-date trends and insights for our businesses. So thank you so much for joining us today, Stacey and Eric, and look forward to having you join us again. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. 
Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so that you can keep thinking ahead. Thank you.